Thank you for joining us today. This is Clint Byers, lead pastor of Forward Church. I pray this message blesses and encourages you. I hope it inspires transformative grace in your heart and establishes you even deeper in your new covenant identity in Christ. Now take a deep breath, become aware of God's spirit within you, and enjoy the message. This is a challenging series to work through because I wanted to really pull all the good stuff out of Romans, and you really could spend like a year on Romans. Not necessarily from nine on where it talks about Israel and you know all the potter and clay that people can get confused over the sovereignty stuff. I, I actually uh, did a message in a series on that. I can't remember the name of the series, but I went specifically through Romans 9 to talk about what he was talking about. You know, it seems to be he's building the case for that God just controls everything, but he, but he wasn't. What he was actually doing is building a case for God wants to save Gentiles. God can do whatever he wants to do. Here's a couple of examples that he can do whatever he wants to do to set up the idea that what he really wants to do is save Gentiles, and you Jews better get used to it. That's really what 9, 10, 11 are all about. So... Stopping at eight is where we're going to go today. And, you know, there's just so much to cover, but it, it's, there's one central idea that I want us to walk away with, and it's something that we focus on here all the time because it, because it really is the only real source of transformation. Religion is great at giving you lists and rules and making you feel guilty when you don't keep the rules the right way, right? Right? and making you question your salvation, making, making you, really, when, when people make you question your salvation based on your behavior, what they're really doing is they're questioning the power of the blood of Christ to wash your sins. But because people don't understand the gospel and understand what actually happened in that exchange, the sacrifice of Christ, not going back and understanding what atonement is all about, and not understanding the depths to which He changed us, we think, oh yeah, that kind of feels right. I kind of feel bad about myself. I wonder if I am really saved or not. And we go based on feelings rather than a true understanding of the gospel, a true understanding that you are a new creature in Christ, which is what we went through last week. These messages really do bind together. So if this is the first of the three, this is number three, I really encourage you to go back and watch the first two uh, especially last week. I had several comments. People told me, you know, I've heard this, but I've never grasped it, or I've never really understood it the way that you said it today. People that have been Christians for a long time told me that. And, you know, it just you just kind of hit it right sometimes. You just kind of put the pieces together and say things certain ways sometimes where people just hear, and, uh, you know, I can't take credit for that. It's the Holy Spirit that's the teacher. Amen. I just stand up here and run my mouth long enough and hope he... You guys open your hearts to him and use some. He gave us some good ammunition to work with, right? The Bible, it's pretty good. So I figured I'd teach something from the Bible today, but anyway. Point being, going back to the beginning of the series, the law was given to reveal sin, did a good job. If you read the Bible, especially the Old Testament, and you feel guilty, good job. You're taking the Bible seriously. That's what it's supposed to do. Just keep going and read the part about atonement in Christ so that you feel free also. But you don't use that as an occasion to continue in sin. You actually realize, now I'm under grace, I can actually live free within this righteousness and this holiness that He has given me. Amen? Amen. 
And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about the idea that there is new life. You really are a new creature. There is this thing called the newness of life, life in the Spirit, the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. You know, being, de being dead to the law, you died in Him and were raised in Him. All, all of these, there's so many different ways to ultimately say the same thing. You know, and the, the church makes doctrines out of all these different phrases, but it's really all the same thing. You were dead, now you're alive. Amen? You were dead, and now you're alive. If you know that, and you then try to renew your mind, like Susan said, just be, just be who you are. Is that what you said? Something like that? Just be who you are. Quit trying to become and realize you are. Think that way, and you will live that way. That's what we're talking about. And it happens through mind renewal. Jesus taught in Mark 4, Matthew 13, the principle of the sower, the principle of the seed. And he said, if you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else that I teach. It's the most important aspect of understanding my teachings is that the word is like a seed. Religion says actions produce change. Actions are the fruit of change. Real change is from thoughts, beliefs, trust, the Word of God tucked away, hidden in your heart, meditated on, grasped. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning, and they were talking about a time, and it wasn't even that big of a deal. You just kind of, oh, Chris, you threw it out there. There's like, you know, I was in this stress position at this time, and I just stopped, and God helped. And then he looked, and he was in a house, and somebody had written on the rafters, or the, the studs, it was an unframed or unfinished house that said, be still and know that I'm God. You know, that is the, one of the best examples of can you just stop? and feel that shift, and trust there's more going on in that pause, that connection to peace, than just, well, I feel a little bit better right now. What you don't realize is that the fact that you can do that, especially if you're looking to the Lord in that moment, there's growth. There is a growth that happens that you have to step into and own each time. What we do is we get some relief from His peace, and then we step back into where we were, think the same ways, make the same decisions, and we only go so far into that peace each time, each time, instead of stepping into it and owning it. It's my house now. It's my peace is my house now. And then you step into the next step, the next step. And I don't mean you become more of a Christian. I just mean you step more into what He has for you. Amen? You're complete in Christ, but there is an incredible world to live within knowing that you can follow him and that he's in you. The newness of life is what he calls it. Or the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. How There's so many phrases, you know. The, the more I study scripture, the more I realize it says very similar things, it's just in different ways. So here we go. I've got a ton of scripture. This series, because I wanted to dig into Romans pretty deeply, um, there's just a lot to read. So Bear with me. All right, I want to read this kind of paragraph first, like we did last week. I want to start off with this paragraph to just really shape where we're going. So, God has performed spiritual surgery within you. He removed your dead heart and replaced it with a new one, and that's the circumcision of the heart, which is what we talked about last week in detail. In doing so, He removed your dead sinful nature, made you alive in Him by putting His Spirit in you. 
you have the life source of God living through you. He now instructs you to renew your mind so the rest of your being lives like your spirit. The gospel and its effects, effects meaning that circumcision, that newness of life, that there's nothing being held against you, all of that stuff, not just the good news that there is salvation in Christ, but then once you receive it, the effects of it is what we want to experience, right? It's what we want to live within, all that's available in this life from having His Spirit within us. The gospel and its effects, the gospel is the source we draw from for the mind renewal process so the rest of your being will experience transformation as you inherit His promises. He made you great and precious promises so that you would be a partaker of His divine nature. Just remember God likes you and He wants to help you. He's a good dad. He will give you wisdom. He'll give you instruction. And it's by his spirit inwardly, and it's your role now to renew your mind so that you will resonate on those frequencies. You will hear his voice, if you want to say it that way. You know, your, your heart is a receiver, much like a radio is a receiver. You got this new heart in there, and it knows God's voice, like it's programmed to God's voice. Because it has his law written in it, it's after his nature, it's, it's, it matches His Spirit. It looks just like Christ. And it's trying to receive from Him to emanate into the rest of your being. Your heart can hear Him. But your heart can also hear other stuff. You know, whether it be the enemy, your past, your current thoughts. That's where the struggle is, right? Isn't it? Your mind, your thoughts, right? All of your actions that you don't like about yourself all start with thoughts in here. And you fight. If you can win that battle, you win life. You reign in life when you experience that inner transformation, that inner mind renewal that produces transformation. And see, what, we've, what we lose is the truth that His Word, that we can tune our minds and our hearts to His Word as a radio signal coming to our heart, and it will produce within us. His Word will produce, not just ideas that you then have to go put into action. You do have to make choices, but His Word changes you inwardly. It's already changed you in your spirit. That's what we talked about, the circumcision of heart. But His Word will then go and do the rest of this work. Makes you somebody that you never thought you could be. And it's just the product of His Word. Amen? So I got a math equation for you. It's pretty simple. Actually, it's got two different same problem has two different solutions. Identity plus promises plus faith equals mind renewal under transformation. Right? So what we do is we've gone through and we've looked at what, what is the gospel, what are you now as a result of what the gospel tells us, now where are you in your Christian life, you're in this part right here, out of your identity, out of the fact that you're free from the law, out of the fact that you have a new heart, the circumcision of the heart has been performed on you. That's your identity. God has made you all these promises. And there's one specific promise made through Abraham to us. I'll get to in just a second. But this is your process. How do I do it? You do, I made her jump past it, but that's the question. How do I renew my mind? Because you hear all this stuff and you sit here and it's like, well, that, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. But then you go home and don't do it. Me too. That's, like, that's just how we are. And it's not because you're still evil. We're just forgetful. 
or we don't know how. We haven't been shown how. And this is how you experience trans. This is how you renew your mind. There's very specific instruction in Scripture to do that, to hold thoughts in your mind, to think certain things, to renew your mind that will produce transformation. You can have it if you want it. Identity plus promises plus faith. Now, I put faith in there because faith is what Abraham and Sarah did when God said, you, you're chosen. That's his identity. I'm chosen. Here's the promise. You're going to have children. And through you, the whole world will be blessed. So their part was faith. But faith is a response to the promise. Faith is, I trust what you said, Lord, not let me do something to make it happen. It's you said this, I believe it. And to the degree that you believe it, you have great or little faith. Faith is to be persuaded of what he said. Faith is to be persuaded of anything. Everybody uses the chair example, right? You sit down, I am persuaded, this chair will hold me. I didn't see anybody, you know, testing the chair. Like, that's what faith is. It trusts that God told us the truth. But do you know what He told you? And that's where Christians argue, what's available now? Like, what kind of life can, what kind of, who is this God? What's He done for us? What kind of life can we have now? That's where the debate is. Well, God doesn't want you. God wants you suffering. God wants you just barely living, right above the poverty line, broke. That way you don't get too humble. He might pepper in a little cancer there for you, make your life horrible, but you know he loves you. And then you've got the other end of the spectrum that says, you know what? God wants you to experience life on this planet as it is in heaven. And those two hate each other. <laughs> and there's all kind of denominations in between, right? And, and it's sad because what we're doing is we're arguing over God's heart toward us. And, and, and it's like, it's going to take a miracle for that whole unity and the knowledge of Him to happen, you know. I just trust that, like, that's where I play stuff in the realm of His sovereignty, His control. He said that. We can't make that happen. We can love along the way. But He's, he's got to take care of that part, right? All right. So, let's jump. So, there is actually one more. I just wanted to, I got another way of saying it. Identity plus promises plus faith equals living in the Spirit, or living in the newness of life, which is what we've been talking about the past two weeks. A lot of information. Now let's read through some of these passages to kind of come to our conclusion. It's going to take a while. Romans 1.16, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of... For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. Now, if you don't understand the parable of the seed, you, don't, you miss what he's saying here. You think it's just information, but it's actually power. The gospel is powerful. I believe it. I believe the good news of the gospel and what it has done to us and can do through us is actually powerful. It actually does things. I think he did too. I'm, I'm, ashamed, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, which really kind of sets up the whole tone of Romans. It's Jew first, Greek, Jew first, Greek. And, and you know, to, to the audience he was writing to, he needed to do that to show them. So, 
if you keep that in mind later on in some of the Romans chapters where you get confused, remember that little bit there and it helps contextualize things. So verse 17, for in the righteousness, for in it, the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. This is what we want to do, live by faith not living in such a way where we're calling things out and making them happen, but where we look at God and we understand who He is, we understand what He's done to us, we understand what He said He wants for us and for us to do, and then we take Him at His word and we are persuaded of that and convinced of it, and we live our lives in such a way that He is seeking to bring that about in our lives. you follow me on that? Like you, you just look at what he said, you got to know what he said, and then you hold on to that as if he's actually seeking to bring that about in your life right now. And then you just trust, and you trust that his word produces, because it will. Amen? Romans 3. Now I'm in the ESV in all of these today, starting in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Now, I made the point last week, most of the church world knows Romans 3, 23 really well. But they don't know 21, 22, 24, 25, 26. And that, that card, that's the card. All have fallen short. We're all sinners. You, that tells me you, you, it's been a long time since you read Romans, if, if, that's, if that's all that you know. 24, uh, so 23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's right, 24, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in, Je in Christ Jesus. Just read like 12 more words, please. <laughs> Whom God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith, this was to show God's righteousness. The fact that He makes you righteous is to show that He is righteous. Because in His divine forbearance, He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time. The fact that God passes over sins is how He shows His righteousness. Approval of sin, warning, warning. You, you, can, you can just see it. You can just hear it from the church, from the body of Christ in general. The fact that God is righteous, like the definition that makes Him righteous is that He passes over sin. What? Does not compute. Because you keep continuing on into, then He frees you from what makes you guilty and then empowers you to live. Not to qualify, but because you're qualified. It is the paradox that is the stumbling block of the gospel, faith righteousness. It just is. It's difficult to explain to people, but once you get it, you get it. Amen? And that's what this church exists for, is so that people get it. A beacon of the gospel to just bang the drum of faith righteousness and all that happens as a result of that because the body of Christ needs to know so that we go into the world with the right message to reveal who God really is. Amen? If y'all want to be a part of that, man, let's just keep going. Bring some more people in so they can hear it. All right, so 
Did I finish 26? No. Uh, go to 25. 25. Who God put forth as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because his, in His divine forbearance He had passed over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. You are to say, I am justified. I am righteous. I am holy. All of those things are true. Now, you might not be living like that outwardly, but it's true because that's what His work has done. He's qualified to do that to you. So you start there, identity. This is whatever it is. This is who I am. Okay, now, what is it that He wants? Because you are to, you know, we, my, transformation happens through mind renewal so that we would prove His will. Like He wants us to experience transformation through mind renewal so His will can be established in our lives. What is His will? That's the question, right? Is, what is His will? Ultimately, it was reflected in the garden, in Eden before, and in heaven after, and in Christ. Everything else in the middle is a mixture of His will and our will. All right, let's keep going. Romans 4.13. This is kind of the big promise that I'm hinging everything around because of our formula. Uh, identity plus promise plus persuasion of His promise equals transformation. Romans 4.13, for the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world or of the earth did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For, it, for, it is, for if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is a void. Promise is void. All right. What this is saying is those who receive Christ by faith are the heirs of the world. Go back, let's just, just, just to make sure we get it. The promise was to Abraham, verse 13. The promise was to Abraham to inherit the world. Those who are children of Abraham, Galatians tells us that the children of Abraham are those that have faith in Christ, inherit the world. Say, the world. the world. Now, what does that mean? That's, what, that's the fun part, right? We get to kind of understand, okay, well, inherit the world. I don't know. You know, we think, okay, well, the meek shall inherit the earth, so I got to be meek. Got to be meek, and then I can inherit. No. What are you saying? So let's keep going. Romans 5, 17. For it is because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Much more, say much more. Will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? It is your destiny as a child of God promised through Abraham to reign in life, to inherit the world. How do you inherit the world? You reign in life. Doesn't just mean it's like, these are my trees. Over here, I'm going to inherit that river right there. That actually was part of it. Wherever you go, wherever you put your foot, that's yours. So there is that aspect of it. But reigning in life has to do with living from the inside out. 
He, he goes through such detail to show you the kind of relationship that you're in now with God. Free from the law, doesn't mean you get to live recklessly, but under this new power because you're a new creature in Him. And the whole promise that God even started this thing off with was that you would, be, you would reign in life, that you would inherit everything that God created for you. I mean, God made a planet for two people. Think about that. And He said, enjoy, subdue it, reap the benefits of it. Don't mess it up. Oh, you messed it up. Here, let me give you, let me fix that part of you so that you can, you know. He's pretty, he's like, like anyway, let's keep going. Romans 7, 4. Likewise, my brothers, now I'm piecing things together, but if you go back, this is, there's, there's a, like four or five different threads running through all the first parts of Romans. This is one of them, this whole thing about the promise made to Abraham and because of who you are in Christ, you are qualified for these promises and this is what it looks like to wrestle with the inner world so that you inherit these promises of inheriting the world and reigning in life and ultimately revealing His kingdom in this earth and, and taking the gospel to the nations so that people would come to the saving knowledge of Christ. All right, Romans 7, 4, Likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to one another, to Him uh, who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. The, again, that seed idea. You know, that we may not keep laws for God, we may not you know, execute so-and-so for God, but bear fruit for God. And the only way that you can bear fruit is how? Abiding in Him. Jesus teaches that in John 14, 15, 16. Verse 5, For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law... That, that's a whole message in and of itself, that those sinful passions were aroused by the, the strength of sin is the law. Doesn't make it evil, it just reveals what's in there. So he had to break us out of that. For while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the Spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So how do you serve in the new way of the Spirit. Do you get really spiritual and get really good at the gifts and you can discern voices from God and give other people prophecies? Well, that's kind of a fruit of it. But how do you live in the new way of the Spirit? Let's keep going. Um, the hint is know the gospel, but let's just keep going. 721, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, Evil lies close at hand. You ever done that? It's like, this is what I want to do. Why'd I do that? Paul, same thing. Verse 22. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. Not heart, because he's already fixed that part. Not nature, not who I am eternally, but my mind. The part that still needs to be renewed. The spirit is renewed. The heart is renewed. You're a new creature. He's already talked about that in this particular progression. Now your mind is at war. 
But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. Wretched man that I am. Now, some people camp there and say that we're all wretched. Still. Don't know the gospel. Don't understand the circumcision of the heart if you still think that. It's just, it's just true. Wretched man that I am. Who And so really what Paul's doing here is he's kind of preaching and he's using himself as an example of the battle that happens and he's kind of injecting himself to show you this is what the battle looks like and everybody goes, uh-huh, I know what you're talking about. Then he keeps going. You, what you got to realize is the Bible was not written in chapters and verses to begin with. So when you go from seven to eight, just kind of keep reading, which is what we're about to do. Wretched that I man, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? Thanks be to God. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, the law of sin. He makes a distinction. I, me, who I am, myself, I serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh, if I let that take over, if I let this body and its cravings take over, not that it's inherently evil, why does the body crave evil things? Because you think it first, which he's about to say. Back to 25, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself serve the law of God with my mind, but with my flesh I serve the law of sin. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Amen. For the law of the spirit of life, that newness of life, that living by faith, all kind of the same thing. The law of the spirit of life has set me free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Are you free from the law of sin and death? Like there are parts of your world, your life, that are not, but you are. Like ultimately, if you were to pass away right now and move on, you're free. Like that's, that, but, but that reality is true of you in this moment. But there's still this body. And we talked last week about flesh being removed, the body of flesh being removed, your nature. There are two applications of the word flesh. This is talking about your physical body. Remember where he said, don't yield your members to sin, but yield them to God as instruments of righteousness. That's your choice. We're not just talking about sin. That is one facet of it. We're talking about you living in the newness of life. Amen? Is it getting warm again? The turkey, the tryptophan is still hanging out in there. No, we're doing good. I know it's a lot. I'm, get, I'm packing a lot into these things. There's therefore now no condemnation. Now, so, all right, so how, how do I experience transformation? How does the word bear fruit within me? How do I live in the newness of life? How do I live in the spirit? Paul, early on in the beginning of Romans, when he says, this is who I am, this is what God's called me to do, it's what the gospel I'm going to do it with, and I serve him with my spirit. How do you serve him with your spirit? It has everything to do with what's going on in your mind. It's really that simple. But then he addresses the, he, he addresses the battle. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Walking according to the Spirit is not some mystical thing that you figure out how to do that's challenging to do. Let's keep going. 
For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. For it, it really should say is at enmity with God, which means that it just doesn't mix. Oil and water are at enmity. They're not necessarily enemies, but you can't mix them. They just they separate. You put oil and water together, they separate. Your carnal thinking does not mix. Like if you look at a promise of God and you're, it just seems impossible, you're carnally thinking. It doesn't mix. Your thinking won't mix with God. But if you look at God's promise and you're like, kind of possible. I, I, can see, I can see it. Then you're spiritually thinking. And what you have to realize is that when you can see it, hold on to it because it's growing and it's growing and it's growing. And don't lose hope and don't let fear or worry or the deceitfulness of riches or the cares of this world or the lust of other things creep in and rob that moment of you having that glimpse of possibility. Amen? That's the battle. <clears throat> for this, verse 7, for the mind that is set on the flesh is at enmity to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, this you have to know, verse 9. How do I get in the Spirit? Go back to verse 8 for a minute. You guys, you ever see that movie, Young Guns? I, I love the example, right? Like young guns are cowboys and they have to go through uh, Native American land, but they have to be on peyote, therefore, in the spirit to go. And there's this guy's like, he's all tripping out on peyote. He's like, sees a Native American. Hey, you know he's in the spirit world. And he's just, it's hilarious. It's kind of like that's what we think spirit world is. We kind of have to go into some other twilight dimension and, and, and it's strange in there and things happen. And, and it's like, I can go pull ears and noses. And it's like, how do I get into that spirit world? Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you. You want to know how do you get in the spirit? You get the spirit in you. Now, you might then have experiences with the unseen dimension, but that's not you going into the spirit. That's just whatever happens in those moments because you are in spirit, you see that stuff. You can connect. Things happen. Pretty simple. If, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. But if Christ is in you, is Christ in you? Although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. And that's the whole battle. Live out of the power of the identity of your spirit. He makes the distinction right here. You got this body, but you got the spirit. The spirit's who you really are. If I yield myself to, the, to sin, it's going to run and cause death, and, but, I could, uh, but I don't have to. I don't have to give in. I don't, it's not that I have to fight to overcome it. It's just I have to know who I am. When you know who you are, you're not going to run out and do that stuff. You don't need it. You're fulfilled already. Whatever it is that's seeking to bring that temporary fulfillment, you already know. And you're fulfilled in Him. You're complete in Him. The only areas that you're struggling are the areas where you don't know your completeness. You're not confident in who you are in that area. And so we go out and look for things to bring us peace and relief and wholeness. 
Now, two more passages and then we'll be done. And these are specific instruction for mind renewal. All right? This is how you do it. He gives us the steps on how to do it. Ephesians 4, 17. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do. Now there are actions, right? Behavior modification can be useful, but it's not the behavioral change that brings about the transformation. Behavioral change does one thing. It gives you space emotionally to let the Spirit do what it needs to do so that the true external change happens. If you continually engage in something that's robbing your peace, and therefore you're shortcutting that peace's opportunity to bear full fruit, you got to push that stuff back. you got to push that sin back so that you give the Word an actual chance to grow and produce the change. We think if I just get really good at doing this, then I've got, you know, I've got, I've got everything worked out, got my plan here, and I won't fall into this anymore. Well, not really. You just The moment you quit putting forth effort, it falls apart. The moment you go out of town and you're somewhere else, you forget who you are. You don't have all your little things to keep you in check. Are you with me? <clears throat> so cut it out. Sin. Stop. Bad. Death. No. Bueno. Stop it. Now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. Again, all about the mind. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of their heart. Hardness of heart is what alienates you from the life of God. The life of God, even in a born-again believer, cannot produce change if you've allowed your heart to become hard again. Yes, He gave you a brand new heart, but it gets hardened again from this world if you engage in that stuff. You keep, get, you keep doubting. You keep worrying. Did God really say, well, this happened to me, therefore this is who God is and it's what He wants and it hard, 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 even though the life of God is still in there trying to break through and bear fruit. The gospel Hold on to the gospel inwardly. The Christian life is lived from the inside out. If, the, if you look at the world and you're trying to figure out God through that, you've started in the wrong place. Start inwardly. This is who I am. This is who God is. Let's go from there. 19, they are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardness of heart. They have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, uh, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. But that is not the way you learned Christ. I, uh, assuming that you have heard about Him and were taught in Him as the truth is in Jesus to put off the old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You have been recreated in the likeness and image of God where you are truly righteous and holy. Put that on in your mind. When you face whatever, maybe not even just be a sin issue, it may be an opportunity to succeed beyond where your family has ever succeeded before. Like maybe you grew up in a family and it's kind of always struggling with money and this and that, and you have the opportunity to grow and see the prosperity of God, the blessing of God manifest in your life. And you feel like this ceiling because it's just how it was in your family all that time. You want to break through that. This is the same process. 
Same process. Amen? Uh, be renewed in spirit and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the last one, Philippians 4. This is what you do. This is how you do it. And I will encourage you to, I'm going to put it in the blog this week of some steps and some examples, but here's your homework. Philippians 4, go through it, knowing everything that we've talked about, the gospel, find a way that works for you to do this. Are you with me? Philippians 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Step one, be thankful. Again, he says it, rejoice. Let your reasonableness or fairness or be considerate, ultimately is what he's saying. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything. It's your choice. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Stay on verse 6. He already knows what you need before you ask. He's got good plans for you. This is where prayer comes in. How do I pray? You pray from the perspective that God has already promised to you that you will inherit the world. Say, the world. And reign in life. You reign in life living in the Spirit. You live in Spirit by renewing your mind. You renew your mind by trusting and believing the gospel. You think about these things. What has He done? You set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. You remember that there's a heaven you remember that there's this power flowing from Him through you. It's not just about doing the right thing. There's this other unseen thing that is just pouring power and life and love into you. Tap into that. Uh, verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God... Which, which is better than understanding, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart. You need your heart guarded because that's where the Word is trying to grow, right? Peace will guard your heart. That's why you have to intentionally resist sin so that there's peace in your heart and peace guards your heart and your heart is the new garden of Eden that God is in and growing into the rest of your life. You need that peace to guard your heart. See, what you got to realize and keep rem and remember now is that when you can stop and connect to peace, remember, now I'm really at a place where something's happening and trust that something is actually happening. See, we shortcut that. We, we think peace is the end, like the goal. Oh, I feel peace. Whew, I feel so much better. No, you just started. You just started. Peace, sit within that. Abide within Him. In the place of peace, you meditate. In the place of peace is where you hold on to those promises and trust that they're going to grow. Amen? Amen? All right, verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. Like, do you actually believe that? Do you, do you, do you structure your time with God to create place and space for that? You know, I think we, we, the, we just got to get intentional about actually living these things. Again, this is your homework. Philippians 4, 4 through nine, do it. Say, do it. We should do it. Should you guys ever see that to Shia LaBeouf? Just do it! Do it! Sorry, she's like, why are you yelling at me? Finally. Say, finally. Finally. It actually is finally. We got there. Brothers, whatever is true, 
This is it. I mean, this is it. Like, can you just push pause, peace, and then do this? Whatever is true. What's, what's true? This is what I'm facing. What's true? What's the truth? The truth might be, man, I've really made a mess of this situation. Man, I've really made a bad decision here. What in the world? I, admit it. Own it. But then also, what's God's truth? What's my truth? What's God's truth in this? And ultimately, His is the one you want to hold on to, right? What's true? What is true in this situation? Whatever you're facing, stop. What's true? And there's a few things like that. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable. What's the honorable thing to do here? Toward me, toward God, toward the people in this situation, whatever it might be. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It doesn't say do these things. There is instruction to do, but this is the instruction. Think about these things. Transformation happens through mind renewal. This is like, I mean, probably one of the best concrete examples of mind renewal unto transformation. If you will do this, you will experience transformation. Just what the Word does. Verse 9, what you, what you have learned and received and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. He's with you. You just experience Him, right? It's not like you do this and then He shows up and gives you peace. No. He's with you. You, are, you have peace with Him. Amen? Put on the new man. That's what we do. Is that too much? There's a lot of information. There's a lot of information, but really it's just the one thing. I'm putting on the new man. I'm renewing my mind, and I'm giving the Word a chance to grow. And He gave me some really great instruction of help, to help me along the way. Amen? So go home this week. Go back to Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Work out something that works for you. Pick a situation and put that stuff into practice. Also back up into Ephesians 4. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank You. We love You. We trust You. Like even just now, just for a minute, one more minute, just take a deep breath, relax. I trust you, Lord. Your word is within me. Your spirit is within me. And whatever I need from you is already in there. And it is manifesting to me as wisdom, as strength, as direction, as taking off limits, as ideas, as whatever. Whatever I need, Father, you are in there. I trust you. And then I will act on it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this hard journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries 
Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.